God is glorious in his saints. Welcome to the Christian Saints podcast. My name is Professor Darren Ong, recording from Sepang in Malaysia. In this podcast, we explore the lives of the Christian saints from the Anglican, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Today, we commemorate Sadhu Sundar Singh. Sadhu Sundar Singh is commemorated in the Anglican Church's calendar on June the 19th. He was an Indian missionary and a convert to Christianity from the Sikh religion. Sadhu is an Indian title which means holy man. Sudar Singh was born in 1889 in a village called Rampur in northern India. He initially was hostile to the Christian faith until Christ himself appeared to him in a vision during a time when he was feeling depressed and suicidal. We will read an account of his miraculous conversion by Anglican priest Father Jody Howard. This is an excerpt from a biographical essay about Sadhu Sudar Singh from Father Jody's WordPress blog. Born to a Sikh family in 1889 in the village of Rampur in the Punjab region of northern India, Sundar evidently expressed an interest in religion from an early age. This trait was encouraged by his mother, who undertook his religious instruction. Although the family faith was Sikhism, Sundar's mother also exposed him to many Hindu holy men, or sadhus, and she read from the religious texts of Hinduism, Sikhism, and Islam. Additionally, she always insisted that Sundar say his prayers every morning before he ate. Later in life, Sundar often said that his mother made him a sadhu, but the Holy Spirit made him a Christian. Sundar's gifts were recognized early on in the words of a Sikh priest who told Sundar's father that his son was not like the others. Either he will become a great man of God, or he will disgrace us all by going insane. His mother died when he was 15, and Sundar descended into a deep depression, eventually turning violent towards his missionary teachers. Neither could he see a point to his daily religious practice. Something is wrong. Why do the Shastaras no longer come alive before my eyes? Why does our holy book now seem so distant? Why do I return from the peace of yoga meditation to find my heart still burdened with unrest? Sundar's anger only increased as he lashed out in frustration at his Christian teachers at the missionary school, even going so far as to rip apart and burn a Bible, an action which angered his father. Are you insane? Why would you do such a thing? Is this the respect for sacred things you learned at your mother's breast? Is this thanks to those who teach you? You will not commit such blasphemy in my presence. As your father and head of this household, 
I command you to stop such insanity. There will be no more book burning here. If his father was angered by his blasphemy, then he was absolutely infuriated by what Sundar did next. Remaining restless and unable to find peace, Sundar rose at 3am, three days after burning the gospel, determined to have an answer to his unease. He planned to pray until 4.30 for a sign. If none was forthcoming, he was determined to lay his head on the railroad tracks, close to his home, and await the morning train. During his prayer time, Sundar experienced a vision, except that rather than Krishna, Buddha, or Siva as he had expected, it was Christ who appeared to him. Reports of exactly what Christ said to Sundar are somewhat varied. Some say that Christ spoke to him in a manner reminiscent of Paul on the road to Damascus, saying, How long are you going to persecute me? I died for thee. For thee, I gave my life. Alternatively, the message is said to have been, Sundar, how long will you mock me? I have come to save you because you have prayed to find the way of truth. Why then don't you accept it? It was then I saw the marks of blood on the hands and feet and knew that it was Yesu, the one proclaimed by the Christians. After his vision, Sundar felt a great deal of guilt and shame for his denigration of Christianity, something that became a powerful motivation in his faith and later mission. At first, Sundar's father didn't believe his son when he told him he wanted to become a Christian, understandably finding the pronouncement hard to believe when only a few days prior his son had been burning the Christian scripture. Once it became clear that Sundar was not simply tired and shaken, his father and family sought for nine months to change his mind, alternating between showing him examples of the wealth he could have by accepting his heritage and highlighting the shame he would bring upon his family if he went through with such a conversion when he reached the legal age of 16. After determining that Sundar wasn't going to change his mind, his father reacted by casting him out, saying the appropriate formula of this inheritance. We reject you forever and cast you from among us. You shall be no more my son. We shall know you no more. For us you are as one who was never born. I have spoken. Sundar Singh was baptized in 1905 at the age of 16 and confirmed in 1907 by Bishop Lefroy of the Anglican Diocese of Lahore. Sundar Singh travelled all over India and into Tibet and Nepal spreading the gospel. Bishop Lefroy had him enrolled in a seminary, but Sundar left after eight months, feeling out of place. Sundar Singh instead continued life as a travelling preacher and ascetic. He was very successful in explaining the gospel in ways that made sense to Indians. He was very adamant that to be Christian did not mean becoming British or giving up Indian culture. 
he did not adopt British dress or customs as many Indian Christians did. He took the title of Sadhu, which in Indian religious understanding meant an ascetic holy man. He was a charismatic preacher and attracted crowds everywhere he went. Let us read an account of a missionary journey he made to Ceylon, today known as Sri Lanka. This is from a book, Sadhu Sundar Singh, called Of God, which is a biography written by Rebecca J. Parker. In May 1918, the Sadhu had almost completed a long and arduous tour through South India. Before passing west and north again, he left the great continent of his birth and crossing to Colombo, spent six weeks in Ceylon. During these crowded weeks, the enthusiasm of the South was repeated in every place he visited, and increasingly as the days went by. Probably for the first time in Ceylon, Missionaries, ministers, and laymen of all denominations joined together for a campaign that would cover most of the important towns of the island. And their harmonious cooperation not only made things run smoothly for the sadhu, but largely contributed to the very real success of his work. Everything was done to ensure his visiting as many places as possible and local papers in Colombo, Kandy, and Jaffna reported his progress as he went along. Mr. Wilson, the convener of the committee that arranged his program, wrote, The Sadhu's meetings were always attended by enormous crowds. People began to come in from 3 o'clock, when the meetings were announced to begin at 6 p.m. Catholics and Hindus came in great numbers, and people from as far as 40 miles off came to Colombo to attend the meetings. At no place could a hall be got large enough to hold the crowds that thronged to hear him day after day. Drawing room meetings were arranged in many places. Probably no Christian evangelical effort so greatly stirred the people as this mission of an Indian convert garbed as a sannyasi. There was no way of translating the addresses into Sinhalese. An attempt was made, but proving unsatisfactory. The idea was abandoned. A Hindu gentleman, well acquainted with the recent revival literature of Hinduism, was desirous of putting into the question box a question relating to prayer. By a happy coincidence that night, the sadhu spoke on prayer. The man listened very attentively. And at the end, he said, he is really a spiritual guru that is teacher, and I hope to get light from him. In Jaffna, a large city on the north of the island, a real spiritual work was done. In writing of the sadhu, the Reverend G.G. Brown, a missionary in Jaffna, said of the sadhu, He has a deep and unique religious experience, yet it is with great hesitancy that he speaks about it and he never gives the impression that this should be the normal experience, or that others should follow his manner of living. His hold on the people is real, and I have never seen large meetings at Jaffna at which the attention was so marked. Part of his charm and power lies in the fact 
that he represents a purely Indian type of life and thought, and in him we have an expression of Christian ideals in a purely Indian setting. Invitations were scattered broadcast amongst non-Christians, which were well responded to by Buddhists, Mohammedans, and Hindus, and they were assured that if they came with an open mind, they should not return without gain. In several places, especially in Jaffna, after the Sadhu's departure, articles appeared in the local papers, earnestly urging a practical issue and inviting college and school teachers, as well as ministers, to follow up the work, while hearts were likely to be responsive to the message of life. The sadhu often addressed as many as three meetings a day, as well as conducting interviews, and he suffered so much from the moist heat that in writing to a friend in the north, he likened himself to a lump of salt in solution, adding he was willing to melt like salt if only the South might be salted. The Sadhu's tour, both to Ceylon and South India, was a remarkable experience. In Colombo, every day, hundreds could not get near the doors of his meetings, and from dawn to late at night, great numbers sought him out for spiritual guidance, so that all the time, his life was lived amongst crowds. Newspapers wrote about him, and his name became a household word in thousands of Christian homes. But multitudes and popularity count for nothing to the sadhu, beyond the fact that they provide for him opportunities to preach Christ and reach the souls of men. At what cost this great work has been done, only the sadhu himself knows. His calm dignity among the enormous crowds that surrounded him and invaded his privacy at all hours gave no hint of his innermost shrinking from great publicity. One great safeguard to the Sadhu in the enormous temptations such experiences bring is his absolute simplicity, that simplicity which Fenelon describes as an uprightness of soul which has ceased to dwell upon itself or its actions, where Christ is all and self less than the dust. The preaching of Sadhu Sundar Singh brought many to Christ. Even his father, who had disowned him for converting, became Christian himself and supported him in his missionary journeys. Sadhu Sundar Singh was also a mystic. He received visions of Christ and wrote about these visions frequently. Let us read his account of one of these visions. A little child died of pneumonia, and a party of angels came to conduct his soul to the world of spirits. I wish that his mother could have seen that wonderful sight. Then instead of weeping, she would have sung with joy, for the angels take care of the little ones, with a care and love that no mother ever could show. I heard one of the angels say to another, See how this child's mother weeps over this short and temporary separation. In a very few years, she will be happy again with her child. Then the angels took the child's soul to that beautiful and light-filled part of heaven, 
which is set apart for children, where they care for them and teach them in all heavenly wisdom, until gradually the little ones become like the angels. After some time, this child's mother also died, and her child, who had now become like the angels, came with other angels to welcome the soul of his mother. When he said to her, Mother, do you not know me? I am your son, Theodore. The mother's heart was flooded with joy, and when they embraced one another, their tears of joy fell like flowers. It was a touching sight. Then as they walked along together, he kept on pointing out and explaining to her the things around them, and during the time appointed for her stay in the intermediate state, he remained with her, and when the period necessary for instruction in that world was completed, he took her with him to the higher sphere where he himself dwelt. There on all sides were wonderful and joyous surroundings, and unnumbered souls of men were there, who in the world had borne all kinds of suffering for the sake of Christ, and in the end had been raised to this glorious place of honour. All around were matchless and exceedingly beautiful mountains, springs and landscapes, and in the gardens was abundance of all kinds of sweet fruits and beautiful flowers. Everything that heart could desire was there. Then he said to his mother, In the world, which is the dim reflection of this real world, our dear ones are grieving over us. But tell me, is this death or the real life for which every heart yearns? The mother said, Son, this is the true life. If I had known in the world the whole truth about heaven, I would never have grieved over your death. What a pity it is those in the world are so blind. In spite of the fact that Christ has explained quite clearly about the state of glory, and that the Gospels again and again tell of this eternal kingdom of the Father, yet not only ignorant people, but many enlightened believers as well, still remain altogether unaware of its glory. May God grant that all may enter into the abiding joy of this place. Sadhu Sundar Singh's health was frail. Even in his thirties, it seemed as if he would not be well enough to continue his punishing travel schedule preaching. In 1929, when he was around 40 years of age, he made a final missionary journey to Tibet, but disappeared. The Indian government declared him dead in 1933, but his body was never found. He is commemorated in the Anglican Church's Calendar of Saints, with feast day on June the 19th. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Christian Saints Podcast. Look for the Christian Saints podcast page on Facebook or Instagram, or find us on Twitter at podcast underscore saints. All music in this episode was composed by my good friend, James John Marks of Generative Sounds. Please check out his music at generativesoundsjjm.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use, so more people can find the Christian Saints Podcast. 
and be blessed by these stories of the saints. Let us end this episode by contemplating on this fantastic quote by Sadhu Sundar Singh. I am not worthy to follow in the steps of my Lord, but like him, I want no home, no possessions. Like him, I will belong to the road, sharing the suffering of my people, eating with those who will give me shelter, and telling all men of the love of God.